For God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved Son, so that those who believe in him will not perish, but may have eternal life. On this day of remembrance and hope, we declare with joy, God did not send a son to the world to condemn, but to save. Therefore, let us bow before the Lord. O oh God, we come before you to ask you for help. Help us now as we enter into the contemplation of those mighty acts. You have given us love. You have given us life through Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, what, is, has, what has happened on this day, it's too much for us to understand. It's too much to, to grasp fully and we can only ask you through your spirit to guide us and help us. So that all of this may change us and touch us deep. Dear Lord, when we remember this Good Friday, our hearts are heavy, they are full of hope. Hope in you, O oh Lord. Please bless what is about to happen in this space. We ask this in your name alone. Amen. Good morning everyone. On this Good Friday morning, like I said yesterday, the three services over this weekend is one service. You cannot see Monday Thursday without thinking ahead of Good Friday and we surely cannot, shouldn't enter into this day without thinking about tomorrow or about Sunday. I would like to start this morning by reading something I've read many times in various places. It is a writing by a South African writer, Niels Jackson. Only five days before on the Sunday, he triumphantly left the city, riding on a donkey's back. A large crowd welcomed him with palm leaves laid out on the path and cried with a thirst for a new empire for a new prince. Praise him who is coming in the name of the Lord. Praise the son of David. But Jesus, who knows what lies in every heart, said nothing but softly cried. The Thursday night after their last meal, he went to the garden knowing what's to come. And the son of God was afraid for he was only just a man. Therefore he desired that Peter and two others should be with him, stay with him as he prayed. But no, he would suffer alone. Those who would stand with him through thick and thin now were tired. And alone he would go from there in blood and sweat. He knew to drink from the bitter cup the Lord will pour. Judas was with him for three years, three years. Judas came and went, he was at every feast, saw when Jesus healed the blind, 
when he took care of the hungry, cared for the people beyond the proper boundaries of decency. Judas' love, we all know well, the beautiful smile, the hypocritical greeting. That night he kindly did it, but sometimes death even sits in a kiss. When they seized Jesus, Peter wanted to play hero. The Prince of God defended peace with violence, and so Jesus said no. He wanted Peter to be a disciple, the rock, for he was declared, I will always stay with you. But that night, as many still do today, through their actions, if things get uncomfortable, the same Peter, the rock, said three times, I'm not with that man, I don't know Jesus. Pilate, the governor, wanted to be fair, but the crowd had shouted, crucify him. He wanted a verdict of innocent, but the crowd rumbled, crucify. Would their choice be Jesus above the robber? No, the crowd screamed, crucify. Later, he feared their anger for the hatred roared, crucify him. Then Pontius Pilate washed his hands and hoped to feel better. It was the most ridiculous of kings, the purple robe, the crown of thorns, and when the king's third sea gets wine, sparkling white or dark red, no, vinegar. For hours the big mockery went on. Then your highness, who hit you now? He felt us on his back, his body, body was blood red. On the cup, they drove nails through his wrist. It was a spectacle for those calling. Save yourself now. On a cross, a man loudly calls for his father and signs for the last time. Blood and water carries the message of his death. The earth trembles. Graves open up. In the temple, the veil tears over what has happened outside. The sun stopped shining. It's noon, but there's darkness. The morning lasts till three. Creation roars, and the great silence agrees. The Son of God is there.
were you there? The words of this well-known song, it just sounds different on this day, doesn't it? No matter how many times you've listened to it, when you hear it on Good Friday, it's, it kind of cuts deeper. Because the whole nature of our faith and belief system changes radically on Good Friday. Were you there when all of this happened around the cross? Did you hear it? Do you see it? Do you believe it? And, and how does it affect you? Everything associated with Lent over the last seven weeks is reaching a high today or a low. The focus of our discipleship the last seven weeks has taken us here, it has brought us here to be quiet, to realize, to acknowledge and confess Jesus was crucified. Usually all around the world today there would be masses of people commemorating Good Friday by making their way to a church to gather and commemorate in their own special way. But never has it been like this before. Never before has Good Friday felt like this, been like this. All over the world, people are trying to make something of this day that might resemble a previous Easter, that might resemble something we're used to. People in congregations all over the world are trying to get people to relive this day in a special way. Early in the week, a friend of mine told me how strange it would be to get to Good Friday and know how many churches all around the world will be empty for the first time in centuries. But maybe, like never before, because a normal Easter isn't possible at this moment, we have this opportunity to be in isolation and think about, like never before, about Jesus' isolation on that cross. With Good Friday, we bring ourselves to stand along the cross and imagine how it must have felt like to be there, to experience it for ourselves. We see ourselves in, in different people around the cross. And so today we are going to read a part out of Mark to read about one of the Roman soldiers' perspective. We read Mark 15, verse 16 to 20. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. They then led him out to crucify him. We see these soldiers who have a very specific role to play. 
it is part of their job to physically bring the execution of Jesus' punishment out and, and carry it through right to the end. Because these soldiers are part of the Roman Empire and do not belong to the Jewish faith, there's no limit to what they can do to Jesus. If they were Jewish, then this whole thing would have looked different. They would have done different things. They would have acted differently. But now they kind of can do whatever they want. In the passage we just read, we see how these soldiers handle Jesus. It begins in the palace, in Pilate's house. Ironically, the man who just said Jesus is innocent, that's where the punishment begins. Nothing but total cruelty come to Jesus. They spit on him, they beat him, they dress him in a so-called king's outfit with a cloak, a crown of thorns. You can just imagine what that scene must have looked like. These soldiers who, as a profession, oversee condemnation, punishment, the pain of others. They sometimes the ones who give out the blows. They are surrounded by masses of people who want Jesus dead. And not just any death, the death on the cross. We can only imagine how all these people and the high level of emotion, the shouting, the screaming, the input of the priests and the scribes, it all had to contribute to this terrible atmosphere and of course the Roman soldiers get stirred up in this emotion in this moment to make the punishment of Jesus go out to the cross coming to Calvary the soldiers take on another role verse 22 to 24 tell us that they wanted to give Jesus wine and myrrh a kind of anesthetic but Jesus said no and they humiliated him even further, took off his clothes and, and drew amongst themselves who will get him. It was the use of the soldiers to take criminals' clothes for themselves, and so that's exactly what they did with Jesus. Now what goes on around the cross differs from, from each writer. In Luke we read to this point that the counsellors also began to mock Jesus. Together with the soldiers, they encouraged Jesus that if he is so powerful as everyone has said, if he is so powerful as everyone is pretending him to be, then he should save himself. If he is the king of the Jews, like the sign above him mockingly, mockingly announces, why won't he just save himself? Then many people come and go. Jesus talks to the people around the cross in short, last sentences. Sentences we remember and carry on to this day. The soldiers remain on their post. They don't know how long this is going to take. They brought their wine with them. And one of them wants to give Jesus some of it. And so we read further in Mark 15 from verse 33. At noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. 
And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now I'll leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the son of God. On the cross, he breathed his last breath. The prophecies are fulfilled. What people said would happen, happened. Now when we look again at those soldiers around Jesus, we realize a fulfillment of the, of the next passage. The prediction that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will testify that the Lord is the one. And that's exactly what's starting to happen around the cross. Between the darkest dark, it is one of those very soldiers which mocks and spits and beats. It's one of those who, who makes a turn in this story. A soldier, a genital, who was simply doing his job. A genital who couldn't care less about this Jew and the religious struggle that's going on. He sees what's happening. But he does even more than see. He realizes. He's not just hearing what's happening. He's listening to what's happening all around. He does more than observe. He becomes aware. And so he becomes a pagan who turns around and believes, confesses, that truly Jesus is the Son of God. He confesses at the foot of the cross. With these words, truly he is innocent. The soldier working at Calvary sees how nature reacts. He sees how the graves open, how, it's get, how it gets dark, how the earth trembles, how even nature is affected by this event. And he confesses this is the Son of God. He sees how things change and it affects him. We read it scared them. The fearless, cruel soldier, his heart is starting to soften. He's being changed by what's happening around him. And yet there's something else that touches him. Jesus' conduct on the cross, especially Jesus' manner of, of how he talks and reacts to those around him. He never points a finger. He stays in his loving way. He doesn't deviate from God's plan for one bit. 
And when he gives his last breath, he says, My Father, in your hands I surrender my life. And so the soldier confesses. And so he changes, he becomes different. He understands this is the Lord. His story makes me feel different despite this gloomy day. According to tradition, the soldier's confession was more than just lip syncing. He became a Christian and, and therefore with this soldier at the foot of the cross, a whole new movement was born. Jesus' people began growing at that moment. And unlike so many others, he changes. The place and the people around him changes him. Pagans are now welcome. People who were once sinners are welcome. Weak and sick, foreign, are welcome. We have to realize how different Jesus makes this story. We have to realize how different his rules are when it comes to life. And so I'll ask you again, what happens for you around the cross? If you were there, what do you see? What do you experience? What do you feel? That soldier was, was someone who, who started to believe without seeing the miracles. He didn't believe of what others said about Jesus. He became a believer because of Jesus' death. And that's what makes, that's what makes him say this. That's why he makes this statement. Jesus is the innocent one and, and that makes all the difference to him. Who is Jesus to us? Who is he to you? Is he the one who through blood and sweat and hardships become Jesus, the, the Messiah? Is he the one who is deserted and alone and in isolation and so becomes one who understands us, who loves us, who cares for us, who has you and me in mind? I will say it again, the isolation that we feel today might be this perfect opportunity for us, just like the soldier, to become changed by it, altered by it. Because of this man alone on the cross. I want to end by, by talking about the painting of Salvador Dali. It's one of the most striking paintings there is. It's, it's just one of those paintings who, who's different from all the others. Because when it looks at the cross, it looks from above. It looks from God's perspective down to the cross. And, and that's why this painting is so unique and so different. Immediately we also look with with different eyes. Yes, God sent his son, but more than that, when we look at the bottom of the painting, we see water with fishing boats. And no, it's not a representative of one of those fishing villages that we read of in the Bible during Jesus' life. No, that is a representation of Salvador's Dali, Salvador Dali's home 
tell. At the top of the painting, God's looking down to Jesus who gave life to each and every one of us personally. If we think about it with this painting in mind, where are you and I around that cross? If we could, would we also put our hometowns painted there at the end of the cross? Is that how close the cross is to you? Is that how real it feels? Will you confess it? Believe it and live it. May all the words that have been said today not merely be information. We are overloaded with information. May this lead to transformation, now and forevermore. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, suffering Son of God, our minds do not grasp the length and the height and the depth of your love for us, poured out to us from that cross. Our minds do not grasp your unfathomable love, but our hearts hold it. Our hearts do hold it. Amen.